Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And this is your Weekly Weekly Dose of Wicked. So happy for you to be here. Hump day, beautiful day. I hope you're all enjoying this fabulous, fabulous day. What's the weather like? Mm, I don't know. Today was pretty warm, though, so hopefully it'll be warm tomorrow. I mean, maps high of 75, so I mean, not too not too bad. That's pretty good for some uh, February weather. Yeah, that's pretty good. I guess the groundhog did not see his shadow. I didn't actually follow up with that, though, so I don't really he know what was going on. He did? Yeah. Doesn't matter, though, because it's not holding true for us. No, not for now, but might get a late March snowstorm. Hopefully not. Hopefully no snow. Sometimes that's how that North Carolina weather goes. Gross. Hope not. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, in the world of Weekly Dose of Wicked, we ain't got much going on. No, nothing new. Do the things. Leave us ratings and reviews. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Send us emails. Join the Patreon. All the things. All the things. Do all the things. Um, as far as in our lives, we don't really have much going on either. No, pretty boring time. Whole lot on nothing. But that's good. Boring's good. Yeah, boring is good. We don't want excitement. All right, so this week is uh, my week to have a case ready. And in true Sierra fashion, flying by the seat of my pants, I researched this case about five hours ago. Good job. Yeah, yeah. So, I got a real treat for you today. What you got? I've got the Carpenters. That's what I've named this. Okay, sounds good to me. Do you have any guesses as to what it's going to be? Um, a family that died. No, it's not a family annihilator, surprisingly. No family annihilation is taking place today. Well, actually, I said a family died, not a family annihilator. Oh, well, if a family died, it's most likely an annihilator. Well, not always. Could just be a family massacre. Somebody come come in, kill the whole family. No, no family massacre either. Okay, then I got nothing. I'm excited for this. All right, so the year is 1992. I'm going to say that again because I sound a little drunk. Sound like I was slurring my words. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you sounded drunk. I don't know. Maybe it's just because, I don't know, my head is foggy. All right, let's try it again. Ready? The year is 1992. The Carpenter family is living in New London, Connecticut. Kim Carpenter is 26 years old and the youngest daughter of Dick and Cynthia Carpenter. She's recently divorced and has moved back home with her parents along with her two-year-old daughter, Rebecca. Thought you would enjoy this case because it involves some sisters. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So Kim is wild. She's trying to live her best life. And she's described as being a handful and also a bit promiscuous and boy crazy. A little friendly. Yes, a little friendly. Kim was known to disappear for days at a time with no word to her parents. But Cynthia and Dick were fine with that because they loved Rebecca and they had no problem taking care of her. The final member of the Carpenter family is Beth Carpenter. Beth is the eldest daughter, and she is the complete opposite of Kim. 
Beth is 28 years old, and she has a good head on her shoulder. She recently, a good head on her shoulder. A good head on her shoulders. Yeah, plural. I don't, I, I don't know why I said shoulder, like she only had one. She has two arms, two shoulders. <laughs> so Beth is 28 years old. She's recently moved back home with her parents as well. Um, but she moved back home because she just finished law school. So she is settling into a new career. Uh, she recently accepted a job at Klein and Fraser, which is a reputable law firm in town. Beth also loves her niece, Rebecca, and she is just the definition of a great aunt. So Kim not being a present mother is completely fine because Rebecca has plenty of adults who love her and they want nothing more than to take care of her. And this arrangement's working out fine. Um, the Carpenter family, they have no issues. Like, everything's good. Kim has no problem with everyone else taking care of her kid. The rest of the family members have no problem taking care of Rebecca. Uh, that is until Kim gets herself a new boyfriend. A new boo, if you will. His name is Anson Buzz Clinton. And from now on, we're just going to call him Buzz because that's what he went by. Sounds good. I had to figure out what his real name is, though, because I was like, there's no way his real name was Buzz. <laughs> right. So Buzz Clinton was known as Lazy. He was into drugs. He didn't have a steady job. Uh, he was a part-time male stripper. Good. I like it. He also drove a tow truck. Man of all the trades. Essentially, yes. Um, they really kept harping on that he was a male stripper. Like, every time they mentioned it, they were like, male stripper, male stripper, male stripper. I don't know why they felt the need to keep mentioning he was male. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, he, he's a man. So anyway, um, at first, Cynthia and Dick are not concerned because, like I said, Kim is promiscuous. And these relationships, they don't ever really last. So they don't really care that they think Buzz is, you know, lazy, into drugs, doesn't have a steady job. It's not a big deal because he won't be around long. Unfortunately, though, this relationship does seem to be sticking. Soon, Kim... See, I see you making that face. I'm interested, though, to see where you stand in a few minutes. Why? I just want to know. I, I'm interested. I mean, at this point, you have no idea who's going to die, right? Right. And you're just making a lot of faces about this relationship with Buzz. I'm just interested because I, too, had some faces to be made. Okay. And I researched this case uh with Allison, like we were chatting as I was researching it, and her and I kind of, I feel like, are on the same page. I'm interested to see where you're going to fall okay. as far as, like, who you think is in the wrong here because I think it kind of depends on – there's a lot of factors. Okay. Well, tell me the facts. Before you start passing judgment, let's just, let me tell you that there's a lot that goes into play here. Okay. So soon Kim's trying to take Rebecca with her when she goes out with Buzz, and Mr. and Mrs. Carpenter are not having it. Uh, Cynthia lays down the law. With Kim. And she tells her, you know, you can do whatever you want. If you want to run around, be promiscuous, run around with men, like, you can go for it. But you're not taking that baby with you. So, you know, kind of at that point, I'm like, oh, yeah, go Cynthia. You know, protect that baby. I understand. She's like, you know, you're not putting her in unsafe situations. Um, at one point, the the father's like, um, you're not taking her to that stripper's home. Like, it was, you know, <laughs> so horrible that she was going to take her with her to see her stripper boyfriend. But anyway. Um, so Kim's fed up with Dick and Cynthia controlling her and her life. So she packs her stuff up and she moves in with Buzz and his parents. Obviously, that meant she left Rebecca. Don't know that that was the best choice. No. This obviously isn't the best situation either, though, because while Cynthia and Dick do not have any legal custody over Rebecca, they're still in control. Kim left her daughter with them. So, like, they're calling all the shots. Uh, they limit when Kim can see her. Uh, they won't let her take Rebecca anywhere. And, um, I mean, this obviously becomes like an issue. You know, Kim wants to see her kid and her parents won't let her. Right. So then after a few months, um, they kind of realize Buzz isn't going anywhere. And Kim 
you know, calls him up and she's like, hey, uh, I want to take Rebecca. They're having a fall festival in town and Buzz and I want to take Rebecca. Um, so this is in October of 1992. And Kim's parents are like, you know, I, we don't really love this idea, but it's a safe situation. You know, I mean, they're going to be like in a public place, like they'll be out, you know, it's a, it's a safe enough situation that they feel comfortable letting Kim come and get Rebecca and take her to this fall festival. So her and Buzz do. And the three of them have a great time. And something really changes for Buzz. He's already fallen in love with Kim, but after spending time with Rebecca, he is falling in love with her too. Like he very much enjoys the family dynamic they have going on. And um, it really does something to Buzz because you see Buzz had a child with his first wife, but due to a nasty custody battle, he actually ended up signing his parental rights away to his son. So he, you know, kind of sees like a glimpse, like this is a second chance. He could start over, have a new family, you know, um, looks like a win-win for him. And he just adores Rebecca and he adores Kim and he just really wants for the three of them to be a family. So when they leave the fall festival, Rebecca is exhausted. And so Kim and Buzz decide to take her back to their house and put her to bed. This would be the start of a tumultuous custody battle. I saw the face you made. What do you have to say say about that? Dick and Cynthia are not going like that. Mm -mm. They're supposed to be in public only. Yes. Uh, Rebecca. No, that's not what I meant to say. Um, What I was going to say is, so you remember Cynthia and Dick, they don't have any legal standing over Rebecca. Right. So Cynthia, obviously, like, they miss their curfew. You know, they're supposed to be back home 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock rolls around. She calls and no answer. And then finally she gets in touch with Kim and she tells her, you know, you need to bring bring Rebecca. You need to bring Rebecca back right now. At first, Kim's like, you know, this isn't a fight worth having. Like, we need to take her back right now because my parents are mad. And, you know, and Buzz is like, yeah, no, I'm going to take control over the situation. And he calls them up and he's like, listen, um, I intend to marry your daughter. I'm adopting Rebecca. There's nothing you guys can do about it. Legally, you have no rights here. And like, we're keeping Rebecca, which is all true. I mean, that's factual information. They do not have any legal rights. Right. Nothing they can do. Nothing they can do. Now, from what I can tell, that was that was like the end of that. Like, they just never brought Rebecca back from that fall festival. Um, so, of course, Kim's sister, Beth, she springs into action because, remember, she went to law school. Right. She knows what to do. She knows what to do. And she's like, yeah, no, this isn't going to work because she also, like, worships the ground her parents walk on. She's like, I would be nothing without my parents. She's very much appreciative of them and wants whatever they want that's what she wants so she's like don't worry about it mom and dad um i'm gonna help you i'm gonna help my niece and she goes to one of her bosses uh Heyman klein and he tells her you know no big deal drop some custody papers and take your sister to court so that's what she does she very quickly draws up custody papers takes her sister to family court and her uh, defense is that she just attacks Kim and Buzz's character. Uh, Beth points out that Kim had no interest in her daughter until she started dating Buzz. Um, she brings up their living conditions. She says that they live in filth. Uh, they don't have the means to provide for Rebecca. She's like, you know, she doesn't have as many nice things there. Essentially, to me, it just kind of seemed like she was saying like they were unfit parents because they were poor. That's what I got from that. That's kind of bullshit. She also brings up Buzz's child and how he signed away his rights. And so she's like, you know, he's not a fit parent. He's He had a kid. He signed away his rights. So how old was this other kid? I would say probably similar in age to Rebecca. Uh, it didn't really go in depth on his son from a previous marriage, but it showed like a baby picture. And I mean, I would say they were probably pretty. I mean, 
Buzz, I think, was two years older than Kim. So, I mean, probably similar in age. Gotcha. But either way, um, either regardless, this argument works. And the judge actually does side with Dick and Cynthia. Oh, wow. I didn't expect that. Yeah. So, they're given immediate temporary custody of Rebecca. And Kim is then uh, forced by the court to attend parenting classes. She also has to undergo uh, home checks to ensure that she has, like, a safe, stable environment for Rebecca to return to. At least they're giving her a chance. They are. Um, one thing, though, is the judge does forbid Buzz from being around Rebecca. Well, so that doesn't really so. help things. I, I don't, to me, it doesn't make sense because he's not, like, a criminal. Like, it doesn't make any sense as to why, like, he can't be around her daughter. I thought you said he did drugs. That was pretty much, like, hearsay from, like, rumor of the town, though. There's no, like, proof of that that I could find. It doesn't say anything about him having, like, a record. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he I guess he could have done drugs. And, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, this probably maybe – I don't know. Maybe it wasn't the best home for Rebecca. Either way, I don't know. It's also not like they were just living in, like, a drug house. Like, they were living with Buzz's parents. Right, like he was trying to get his life together if he wasn't back yeah. doing drugs. Right. So, obviously, this is a hard blow for Kim and Buzz. Um, but you know what? They don't let the court ruling really get them down. Kim goes to all of her parenting classes. And she passes the home checks with no problem. Buzz also jumps into action. Uh, he enrolls in a state-funded nursing program. He wants to better himself, and he wants to provide stability for Kim and Rebecca. So essentially his plan was to become a CNA, from what I could tell. Uh, which, I mean, you know, CNA, obviously, it's a reputable job. There's nothing wrong with being a CNA. But, you know, he's going from driving a tow truck and stripping to, like, trying to get a reputable career. Right. Good for him. I think, I think it was a great place to start. I mean, I think, you know, you were a CNA for a long time. I think CNAs still are underpaid. They deserve way more than they get. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think being a CNA is a good job, but yeah, the pay is crap. Yeah. So 20 days after the court's initial ruling, Kim is actually granted custody of Rebecca. Okay. Now, there is one contingency, though. Her parents are allowed one weekend a month visitation, which to me was crazy. I don't know what is going on in Connecticut, but I find it absolutely insane that grandparents get visitation. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Especially considering, I don't know, like maybe, I don't know, like maybe had Rebecca lived with them for years, but like at this point, we're only talking about a matter of like six months. Right. Yeah. She, I was thinking, you know, like, like tops. If they were her caregivers for her whole life, but she wasn't. Right. They weren't. Right. But it kind of seems like the in, at this point, the entire timeline is only about six months. So that's, like, from the time that, like, Kim moved back in with them to the time that, like, she got full custody and it was a living on her own. Because, like, at this point, her and Buzz have only been together for, like, four months. Hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't know. To me, that was kind of crazy. But whatever. They give the grandparents one weekend a month visitation. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Obviously, this news is, you know, great for Buzz and Kim. They cannot be happier. Um, and pretty soon, they decide to get married. And they actually invite the entire Carpenter family to the wedding, hmm. which is pretty big of them. Yeah, that is big of them. I wouldn't have done that. Agreed. Cynthia and Beth do attend Kim's wedding, but her father, Dick, does not come. So while Kim, Buzz, and Rebecca are in a great place, it's pretty clear that the Carpenters are in distress. They are not happy about, you know, the outcome of this. Um, and Beth seems to be really struggling with the loss of custody. So to me, at this point, I want to know your opinion on this, but I wonder at this point if she was actually concerned about Rebecca's safety or if this was like an ego thing for her because like she had been the lawyer that essentially lost the custody. Right. 
of Rebecca. So to me, I wonder, like, if she actually, like, was she actually concerned that Rebecca was in danger? Right. I mean, to me, there's nothing, there's, there hasn't been anything to suggest that, like, Rebecca is actually in danger. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, okay, you don't like Buzz, cool. You don't like he's a stripper, cool. CPS has been involved. They've done home checks. Like, they say the house is fine. Um, I mean, okay, cool. Maybe they're poor, but again, like, that's not anything. That doesn't make you a bad parent. Right. Like, that doesn't make you a bad parent. That doesn't mean your child's in danger. And, like, being a stripper, like, I mean, that's his life choice. That's not your choice. So get over it. I I just wonder if she actually was worried about Rebecca or if it was an ego issue for her. Yeah. I mean. To to me, it kind of seems like it could just be her ego. Right. Or, like, she's trying really hard to please her parents. Like, it seems like she's a real butt kisser when it comes to her parents. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And they wanted that, so. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, she's really struggling with this loss of custody, uh, so much so that her work starts to slip, and it's not long before her boss notices just how distracted she is. So, Beth confides in him. Uh, She tells him, you know, she's worried about her niece, and he offers to do whatever he can to help her, and he puts her in touch with the best family court lawyer that he knows. So, with that, the Carpenter family once again takes Kim to court to fight for Rebecca. Okay, you already lost. Like, move on. No, this time they take a different uh, route. They actually bring to the court that Kim and Buzz have missed multiple court-mandated visits. Because remember, the carpenters, the grandparents get weekends, one weekend a month, and apparently they've missed multiple or they've been late. They're just not really following this court-ordered visitation. Okay, but again, how does that make them bad parents? Well, it doesn't, but I mean, it is contempt of court, so they could still get in trouble for that. Uh, But that's not all that he does. He also just, like, randomly starts just, like, throwing things at the court. And essentially, their plan was just to kind of bankrupt Kim and Buzz. Like, they knew that they couldn't afford a lengthy legal battle. So they figure if they can just drag the custody case out, then eventually Kim and Buzz will have to give up because they can't afford it. That's really mean. It's awful. I agree. But essentially, it said, like, you know, uh, this battle was costing, like, between two to $300 an hour just in, like, legal fees. Right. And so the carpenters could afford it. So they just did whatever they could to make it more difficult for Kim and Buzz. Right. Yeah. Lawyers are expensive. Mm hmm. So that's when Buzz's dad actually suggests a different plan of attack. He has a friend in Arizona who can get Buzz a job. So he says, you know, if you're willing to make the move to Arizona, my friend will hook you up with a job. And Cynthia and Dick will have no legal rights to Rebecca there. So essentially, you guys can move there and you can just start a new life. And if they want to fight you for custody, they'll have to follow you there. And the custody laws in Arizona were going to be more in their favor. That's a pretty good plan. Yeah. So it seems like, I mean, it does. It seems like a good plan. But unfortunately, I mean, moving that far away, you're talking from Connecticut to Arizona, it's going to cost a lot of money. Right, which they didn't have. And as I've already said, Kim and Kim and Buzz don't have money. I mean, they're not, they're by no means wealthy. I mean, it seems like they're pretty low income and... They're just doing the best they can to survive. Um, But, you know, they're like, this is what we want to do. So Kim and Buzz, they quietly just work towards moving and they just continue living their life day to day as they've been doing. They don't really like discuss this plan with anyone. You know, obviously Buzz's parents know, but Kim doesn't broadcast it to her parents, obviously. She probably doesn't really talk to her parents either. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have mandated weekends. So, you know, one weekend a month. Um And it's actually during one of these mandated visits with Cynthia and Dick that uh, they discover Rebecca has a burn on her arm. Okay. So Cynthia and Dick know that this is a cigarette burn. And they immediately blame Buzz. They call him up, you know, how dare you put a cigarette out on our granddaughter? Uh, Essentially just, you know, 
ripping him a new one. And Buzz and Kim are both like, what are you talking about? We didn't burn her with a cigarette. Nobody burnt her with a cigarette. She got too close to the space heater and she burnt her arm. Like nobody burnt her with a cigarette. It's a very, you know, small superficial burn. She got too close to a space heater. It burnt her. It was an accident. Nobody's, you know, abusing her, whatever. Um, Unfortunately for us, I mean, I think a space heater burn and a cigarette burn obviously are going to look very different. Yeah, you would think so. A cigarette burn is very obvious what it's going to look like. Um, Unfortunately, there isn't really any way for us to know uh, who was right because there's no evidence of this. I mean, this is essentially just like a he said, she said in this case. Um, And honestly, at this point, it doesn't really matter. We'll never really need to figure it out uh, because Buzz has uh, one final errand that he has to complete before they can move from Connecticut to Arizona with his wife and his stepdaughter. Uh, he wants to get away from the overbearing grandparents. Um, and if he can just sell his tow truck, then they're free to pack up and start a new life. Because remember, he's got that tow truck. So he's right. like, if I sell that, that'll give us the money we need. We can get out of here. So this essentially like this being blamed for abusing Rebecca is like the final straw for him. He's like, I'm ready to get out of here. Let's pack up. Let's sell the tow truck. Let's get out of here. Okay. So he puts out an ad in the local paper. With his phone number, his name, like, you know, selling his tow truck, whatever. And he actually gets a call from a potential buyer on March 10th, 1994. Unfortunately, that same day, police would receive a phone call concerning a vehicle parked on the side of the highway and what appeared to be a body outside of the car. Yep. Police are concerned that um, this man had car trouble and he was then struck by a passing car as he exited his vehicle to investigate. Uh, very quickly, though, they realize that foul play is involved, as when they pull up, um, they see that the body was not hit by cars, but it actually had five bullet holes. A little bit of overkill. Yeah, so um, I know this is going to shock you, but the victim is Buzz Clinton. I might have assumed so. So, do you have any um, insight as to what may have possibly happened to Buzz? Who done it? Well, um, I would put my money on the dad. Yeah? Maybe the mom. I also put my money on the dad, but we're going to see what happens from here. I don't know. Maybe the sister. One of those three. I don't know. We're going to have to figure it out. I don't know. So, um, obviously, this investigation goes immediately towards Kim because, you know, it's always the spouse. Right. Uh, But very quickly, Kim's cleared of any involvement. Who could the next suspect be? Kim's family. Dick Carpenter. It's no secret that he hates Buzz. He doesn't even attempt to hide how much he hates Buzz. Like, literally, they're, like, interviewing him, and he's like, yeah, I hate him. I didn't kill him. I wish I did, but I hate him. (laughs) Um, there's even record they had gotten into a fight at court one time Uh, they had gotten physical and Dick had told Buzz I'm going to kill you good Uh, Dick has a solid alibi though he was at the hardware store with Cynthia at the time of the murder and he has a receipt to prove it um okay so with that they're fresh out of ideas they don't know who else it could have been was he really at the hardware store Yes, he was. He had a receipt. He went to the hardware store. Him and Cynthia were at the hardware okay, store. Well, a receipt doesn't mean anything. No, they really were at the hardware store. For okay. real. Okay. It's real life. So, uh, honestly, with Dick having an alibi, though, they're really out of suspects. They don't really know who else it could have been. So, they're like, uh, okay, well, we'll just have to keep investigating and see what we can figure out. For the Carpenters, life just goes on as normal. It's as if Buzz never even existed. They really don't care at all that he's gone. Um, Kim and Rebecca did continue to live with Buzz's parents for a while, but it wasn't long until Kim was back to her old life and, you know, being promiscuous and going out and disappearing for days at a time. So about six months after uh, Buzz's passing, 
her parent or his parents, I'm sorry, his parents were like, hey, yeah, you got to go. You can't be here anymore. So Kim and Rebecca end up moving back in with Cynthia and Dick. And while Buss's case remains open, there's really not any movement for months. That is until October of 1995. So that's what? Mm, like a year and a half? Okay. Yeah. March of 94 to October 1995. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Ashley's favorite comes into play, a jailhouse snitch. I love him. Her name's Kathy White, and she comes forward with information about the murder of Buzz Clinton. You don't hear of a woman jailhouse snitch often. I know, right? She was in for prostitution. Um, she wants to trade info for a lesser sentence, obviously, because that's what they always want. Right. And she claims that a drug dealer named Mark Dupree bragged about shooting Buzz Clinton. Okay. We haven't heard this name before. Right. Obviously, this confuses the detectives. Because from what they can tell, Buzz and Mark have never met, and they have absolutely no ties whatsoever. Hmm. It doesn't really seem that there would be any reason why Mark would want to kill Buzz. Interesting. No worries, though, because Kathy White has an answer for that. Oh, I bet she does. She says that Mark Dupree's lawyer asked him to do it. Hmm. Hmm. The sister. Yeah. Well, you would think that, but it's actually not long until they figure out that Mark Dupree's lawyer is uh, Heyman Klein. The sister's boyfriend. The sister's boss. No, it's her boyfriend. (laughs) It's Beth Carpenter's boss. Boyfriend. He's happily married with four children, actually. doesn't matter. Could still be her boyfriend. Okay. So anyway, Beth Carpenter's boss is Mark Dupree's lawyer. Okay. Uh, And he is still currently representing Mark Dupree for all of his criminal activity. So the detectives have to end up actually petitioning the court to deny Heyman Klein from defending Mark Dupree, as they say it's a conflict of interest. And the court does actually side with them, and they remove him as Mark Dupree's uh, counsel. Because they agree that it's a little shady, he's wanted for murder, and that they're claiming that the lawyer hired him to do the murder. So, um, and you know, like lawyer-client confidentiality, I think they thought they had a pretty good deal set up here, but clearly that's all going to get thrown away now. Right. With this new information, the detectives begin investigating um, Heyman Klein. And at this point, even this lead doesn't really make sense, because why would Beth's boss want to kill Buzz? Because it's Beth's boyfriend. But he's happily married with four children, actually. Okay. He's also much older than her. Okay, and? It just doesn't make sense to them. Makes perfect sense to me. Well, I'm glad it makes sense to you, but it doesn't make sense to anyone else. So the detectives attempt to question uh, Heyman, and he quickly shuts them down, and he tells them that they can communicate with him through his attorney. So he is not cooperating, which is not a good sign for Heyman. Well, but also, like, he's a lawyer. I mean, I feel like... It's kind of common. Like, you can't talk to me, you have to talk to my lawyer. Yeah. I think it's funny that lawyers have lawyers. Well, who else would? I mean... I don't know, defend themselves. (laughs) That would not be a good idea. I don't know. But if Ted Bundy can do it. 
Right. That's what I'm saying. Lots of crazy people do it. <laughs> I would feel like an educated person could do it if a crazy person can. But whatever. That's besides the point. None of that matters. Right. He defended himself, didn't he? Ted Bundy? Yes. Okay. Yes. We've had many people defend themselves. Ted Bundy, yes. We haven't covered Ted Bundy, but he defended himself. Um, okay. So anyway, with Heyman being uncooperative, they have to get to work, you know, actually like doing detective work, oh, you know, no. their jobs. I know. So they actually, they need to figure out why on earth he would be involved in this. And it's not long until they figure out that he and Beth are actually having an affair. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea. <laughs> I knew you'd be shocked <laughs> by that information. So with this information, though, now they've got to find Beth. But um, Beth actually just left for London. Oh, how convenient. She's gone. She actually has a job opportunity in London. So she peaced out and she fled the country. So now they're unable to get in touch with Beth. And Heyman's being uncooperative. So they go back to Mark Dupree. I mean, he's all they have at this point, and he really hasn't given him much information either, but they know that they can offer him a deal because, you know, like, he's like a low-life criminal. Right. Got lots of charges. Right. He's got lots of stuff going on, and they're like, yeah, we can work this guy because he doesn't want to go down for this crime. He's already, you know, got a whole criminal background. Those kinds of people can very easily be given deals, and they will snitch. So they offer him a deal. Um. And Mark tells them that Heyman had been his attorney for many years. He claims that in December of 1993, so about four months before the murder, Heyman called him into his office. Um, he then met Beth. And on that night, they told Mark that they would pay him $5,000 to kill a man who was abusing children. $5,000. I mean, if you're going to pay me to kill someone, you should probably pay me more than $5,000. So I actually did a little Google search earlier of how much does it cost for uh, to hire. How much does it cost? I don't remember exactly how I searched, but essentially for murder for hire. Like, how much does murder for hire cost? Okay. And it said that a low class hitman's between five dollars and $15,000. So it's pretty on point. That's pretty crazy to me. Yeah, but it says if you want, like, a top-notch, high-profile hitman... Hundred grand plus. If you want like a suicide squad. I mean or as like it a, should be. Yeah. I'm not saying you should murder for hire, but I would not be killing people for five thousand dollars. So what I think is you should not hire someone to do your dirty work. No. Because this is what happens. Had they just killed him on their own, I don't know that they ever would have pieced it back together to Heyman. The only reason they put it together is because of this hitman they hired. Right. Like, if they would have just done it themselves, they would have been fine. Yeah, probably. If you're going to hire a hitman, then you then have to, like, hire a hitman to take out your hitman. And then it's, like, a never-ending chain. <laughs> because, like, you can't leave those threads loose. No. You've got to tie them all up. No. I don't know. Okay, so Allison was like, I'm learning so many things from your podcast. Uh, don't hire a hitman. Just do the murder myself. Um, if I'm ever going to commit a murder, do not use my flashlight on my phone. Just use a normal old flashlight. If I need to set an alarm to remind myself to wake up to murder, uh, use a regular just old alarm clock, not the alarm clock on my phone. Yes, that is true. Yes, all of yes, that is true. That is true. Yep. She's like, it's all traceable. Don't research on my own electronics. Use public electronics. Like, it was just fine. She was just like listing things off. Um, if I'm ever being chased, don't hide under the trailer. Run. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Yes. But anyway, it was just funny. All right. So back to the case. Um, so they tell him they'll pay him $5,000 to kill a man who was abusing children. And Mark, being the stand-up guy that he is, is like, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, good for you, Mark. So, I mean, in Mark's defense, 
he probably thought that, like, you know, the person he was killing was, like, a child abuser. Right, actually a bad guy. It doesn't sound like he is quite a bad guy. You're right, I'm just not sold on that. Yeah, it sounds like he's, I mean, pretty good. It sounds to me like he's just trying the best he can. Yeah. But, whatever. So he thought he was killing someone bad. Whatever. And he may have been. I mean, Buzz may have been a bad man. Unfortunately, we will never know. Because instead of following the proper protocols, they hired a hitman to kill him. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, if he did, in fact, burn that little girl with a cigarette, then yeah, he deserves all of the bad things. But we'll never know. Right, but even if he burned her with a cigarette, it might have been an accident. Yes, I mean, it may have, yes, but I, 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 I feel like when you burn someone with a cigarette intentionally, it leaves a very um, definite mark versus when you accidentally burn someone with a cigarette. I smoked for many years, and I many times accidentally burned people with my cigarettes. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. I have many but scars it did from not, you burning me. Oh, my God. But no, you do not have a cigarette. You do not have a burn for me putting a cigarette out on your skin. And that is what the grandparents said it was, was like a circular scar from like having a cigarette put out on your skin. Right. So if he did that, he's a piece of crap. Yeah, he sucks. That's not my opinion. That's fact. <laughs> but I do not think he did that. To me, it sounds like he was doing the best that he could to get his life together and that these people, whether it be their egos, I don't know that they were actually concerned for her safety. Yeah. Do I think that Kim like made the best? kind of crazy controlling people. Right. Do I think that Kim made the best parenting choices? No. But do I also think, like, she was 26 years old. It's not like we're talking about a 17-year-old. Like, she was a full-grown adult. Right. So, unfortunately, I mean, do I think she made the best choices? No. She definitely made some poor parenting choices, you know, like running off, being promiscuous. it's her job to make those choices. Like, it's her kid. So, even if they don't agree with them, it's her child, not theirs. Yeah, well, they didn't agree with that. They wanted to raise Unless Rebecca's Unless she throne. really was putting her in danger. But, right. like you said, there's no proof. To me, it seems like she was being, you know, in the beginning, it seems like she was being selfish. Right. She was living her best life, didn't really care about her daughter. Um, but also, they enabled her to do that because they didn't care that she was doing that. Instead of saying, like, hey, listen, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you've got a kid and you need to grow up. They were like, oh, yeah, honey, you just go do whatever you want to do and we'll take care of your kid. Right. And then when she did decide, hey, you know what? I actually want to get my life together. I don't want to take care of my daughter. They're like, oh, nope, absolutely not. You're not allowed to do that. So I don't know. I mean, like I said, in the beginning, we're making faces. I don't really know whose side I'm on. Yeah. Right, because you don't know the truth. Right, we don't know the truth because instead of letting us find out the truth, they just killed Buzz. Right. So anyway, back to where we were in the story. Mark agreed to killing Buzz. Um, And then on March 10th of 1994, the perfect opportunity to execute the murder arose because, remember, Buzz listed his tow truck for sale in the paper. Right. So they were the ones to respond. So Mark arranged to meet Buzz to take a look at the tow truck he was selling. Um, He met Mark. Buzz met Mark in a parking lot. And and then uh, Mark agreed to follow Buzz to the truck. So I guess, like, they met in, like, a public location before Buzz, like, took him to, like, the private location where the truck was. I don't know why he didn't just drive the tow truck there. Right, that's what I was thinking. Well, maybe he was worried. I don't know. I mean, it was 1995, 1994, whatever. Maybe he was worried that, like, whoever it was would be a bad guy and, like, try and, like, carjack him. He's probably just being cautious. Yeah, but then they went to a private location, so then that took his cautiousness away. 
Well, they never went to a private location. Uh, because on the way, um, they jumped on the highway. And on the way, Mark flashed his lights at Buzz, which caused Buzz to then pull over on the side of the interstate. And then Mark shot Buzz five times and drove off. Yeah, that's pretty so. crazy. But they were going to a private location. Yeah, but it probably was just like at his house. I don't really know. I mean, I don't really know where the tow truck was. I just know he didn't drive the tow truck there. Yeah, they were going way. to look it at the tow really truck. Matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. But um, so now that they have this information, though, the police have enough to arrest Haven and Beth. Um, but Beth's in London. <laughs> so sucks for them. They can't arrest her right now. Um, and now, conveniently, Haven's disappeared. Oh, is he in London, too? Uh, No. They don't really know where he is. They start a manhunt, but they don't have any luck. They can't find him. Um, and they actually started to think that they may never find him. Uh, his secretary at the office was like, honestly, I thought he was just going to go kill himself because he was, you know, had ruined his life. So I just thought he was going to go commit suicide. Hmm, nice. So that is uh, until a few days later, Beth actually calls the police herself and she admits to them that she had an affair with Heyman. She tells them all about the affair, uh, but she claims she had no involvement in the murder. She says that Heyman did it on his own to impress her. Oh, yeah. Yes, because that's a perfectly normal thing people do. Well, and when, you know, he has, like, a whole-ass wife and kids. Yes. He has a whole-ass wife and kids. Four kids. Yeah. And a wife. So, she is, um, like, so standing by that story. She actually tells him, like, I'll bring Heyman to you. I'll turn him in. I'll get him to come out of hiding, and I'll give him to you. So, she comes up with a plan to have Heyman call her from a payphone in Southern California. And when he does this, police are waiting, and they take him into custody. The crazy thing is, though, is that once they have Heyman, he has a completely different story from Beth. Of course. He claims that Beth came to him and she asked him to kill Buzz. He claims that she was really worried, you know, about Rebecca's safety. And he thought that, you know, Buzz was abusing this child. And so he agreed to help her kill him. Hmm. So that's when he hired. Stories don't line up. Right. So that's when he hired Mark Dupree to kill Buzz Clinton. Um, and they would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for that pesky jailhouse snitch. <laughs> so Rebecca stands by her claims that she was not involved. Uh, Heyman did everything on his own. Um, the jury, however, is not buying that one bit. Um, and Beth is then convicted of Buzz Clinton's murder. And she is sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. What did Heyman get? Um, getting there. Okay. Mark Dupree pleads guilty. And he is sentenced to 45 years. And Heyman Klein also pleads guilty, and he is sentenced to 35 years. Hmm. So, all in all, all of them are still in prison. You know, I know that the the Mark got killed him, but I feel like he shouldn't have got more than Heyman. Yeah? You think the hitmen should get lesser sentences? I'm not saying lesser, but the same as the people that hired them to yeah. kill. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who should get more. Because, I mean, like, Mark actually executed the murder. Right. I mean, I think they all could have just got the same. And he, like, accepted money for it. So it's not like... I could see if they were like, oh, they threatened Mark and, like, told him, oh, if you don't go kill this guy, then... Yeah. We're going to throw your trials. You know what I mean? But, like, he accepted money for it. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that he wasn't... That he was in the right. He definitely wasn't. He still sucks, but... I think all in all, it was a pretty shitty, shitty case. Yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy. I feel really bad for Buzz. Um, I feel really bad for Kim. I feel really bad for Rebecca. I mean, honestly, it's just really crappy for all of them. Yeah. All involved, except for the Carpenters, who got exactly what they wanted. 
I didn't find anything about like what happened after this though. Like I would assume like Kim had to have like gotten out of there, right? I would hope. I mean, I would hope, but was she able to? Her family literally killed her husband. Right. But did her parents have anything to do with getting him killed? This is my thoughts on that. I do not think that her parents asked Beth to kill Buzz. But I think that Beth killed Buzz to please her parents. I mean, yeah, I think she did too. So while they may not have directly like asked her to do it, I do feel like they hold some responsibility since their daughter thought that it was necessary to kill a man to please them. Yeah. Okay, I could see that side of the argument. That's an insane amount of pressure to put on your child. I mean, I understand at this point she's, you know, 28 years old. She was no longer a child. But I can also see, like, the pressure of wanting your parents to approve. I don't know that I would want my parents to approve enough to kill someone, but. I'm pretty much amused to disappointing them by this point. So it's not a big deal. I mean, I literally just got called by dad earlier and yelled at because I spent $2 on matching to mansion on his credit card. (laughs) You know how mad he gets about that. He's like, yeah, I've got a charge on my card for a rookie bundle on Matchington Mansion. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Wasn't and he's me. like, oh, did your kids? He's like, did your kids have your phone? No, it was me. And he's going to get real mad when he finds out that I actually did like $10. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was buying stuff to win my game. You're ridiculous. I thought it was fixed. I thought it was on my own card. So I'm going to have to Venmo him. Well, I can't Venmo him. My Venmo's fucked up, but whatever. I'll, I'll pay him sometime. You can cash app him. He has a cash app. Anyway, he doesn't like cash up. Last time I cash up him, he sent it back to me and told me don't ever cash up him again. <laughs> so he's so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, no, I agree. I could not um I could not see like needing my parents' approval so much that I would kill someone. No. No, I mean I think everybody wants to please their parents. But like to that extent, that's a little crazy. I just wonder though, I don't know, like did I just don't feel like there was enough evidence for them to actually think that Buzz was like abusing. Rebecca. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it, but we weren't in the situation, so I don't know. Right, we weren't in the situation. I mean, I will say, like, if he was legit abusing, I mean... I could see doing what you need to, to protect. Right, if you you had a child, and, you know, I mean, I'm just throwing this out there, but, like, if you had a child and Tyler was abusing him, or if, like, Jacob was abusing my kids. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if I was in that situation, like, you have a child, your husband abuses your children... Um, I will 100% without a shadow of a doubt say more than likely I'm going to murder him. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. Like, come out. I mean, if I found out that, like, Tyler abused you, I would probably murder him. Yeah. And I would get away with it, too, except for I already admitted it on this podcast. So Tyler better not start abusing you. <laughs> I'll let him know. I'll warn him. No, don't let him know I admitted it because then he has the freedom to do it. <laughs> And he doesn't listen to our podcast, so he'll never know. He'll never know. But I'm just saying that um, I would more than likely kill for you or for your children or for things. I mean, there's many people in this world that I would kill for. um, And I would do the prison time happily, if need be, with true monsters. You know what I mean? But I would have to be without a shadow of a doubt that it's like a legit monster. I know we say all the time, like, there's never reasons to kill. So I feel like I'm a hypocrite right now. But there's some instances where I would quite possibly yeah, I can see you doing what you need to do to protect your family. Yes. As can I. But um, I just don't know that this was a situation where it was necessary. No, it doesn't sound like it to me. But So when I first like was looking into it, it was like um, sister kills sister's husband for abusing niece or whatever. And I was like, yeah, girl. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, she's crazy. No, 
Nope. Never mind. Take Recant. Recant. <laughs> Give me the claps back. I was like, no, this is crazy. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely crazy. Well, any final thoughts before we hop off here and let the good people go about their days? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, on that note, we'll catch you next week, next Wednesday. Peace out, dudes. Catch you on the flip side. Tots. I don't know why I said that. That was weird. Don't do that again. You said don't do it again? I was trying to say something fun, but it wasn't fun. It didn't work. No, it didn't work. All right. So anyway, uh, we'll catch you next week with a whole new case. Uh, Until then, have fun. Bye. Hey, everyone. If you like what you heard and you want to support a small podcast, please give us money at www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked where you can join one of our four amazing tiers starting at just a measly three dollars a month that's literally 10 cents a day you can join the slightly wicked after that we've got the moderately wicked for just five dollars a month followed by the awesomely wicked for seven dollars a month and for those high rollers big ballers we have the extraordinarily good so head on over check it out if you like what you see join it up if subscriptions aren't your jam head on over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash w-d-o-w where you can give us a one-time donation to buy us a coffee or you know like podcasting equipment which would probably be a better use of our money feel free to give us a follow on instagram at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked or you can just search weekly dose of wicked and we'll pop up because we're the only ones or you can give us a like on facebook at facebook.com slash weekly dose of wicked Or, you know what, you could just do both, because that would be better for us. For a direct feed of our podcast, please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com. Great news, guys. We've made it big time. And you can now listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yep, yep. Even Pandora. They finally let us in. Make sure to come back next Wednesday for your Weekly Weekly Dose Dose of Wicked. podcast listener do you love talking about movies music tv comics and games then you should be listening to the great pop culture debate back in bigger than ever for season nine this season the panelists discuss the best james bond film the best elton john single the best nickelodeon original series the best batman villain and so much more find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com more than 100 topics are already available subscribe today